Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. I'm glad you could join us for episode 60. And God has exciting things for you and his plans for you are good. Uh, Stick with us on this ministry ride. uh, I believe that God is calling us to pour into your life and allow you to experience the presence of Jesus like never before. Today we've got the one and only Micah Mack. He is a a youth evangelist uh, traveling around the country encouraging people in the life of Jesus, encouraging people to go after God like never before, and I think you're going to enjoy this. i got to be honest, I was, I was re-listening to it, I start off a little rocky on my end, but stick with us through this uh, as we get to the end. It's uh, going to be good. It's going to uh, be something that's going to be an encouragement to you and to your life and all that God has for you. Uh, I, Micah uh, does a great job of capturing the passion that we all need uh, in our relationship for out of that to flow uh, ministry that God wants to do and so just some good stuff there Uh, Mike is a good guy and you'll want to hear more about him and his ministry and all that God uh, can do uh, as we go after him and pursue him with a passion so without further ado my conversation with Micah Mack all right Micah welcome to the show thank you it's great to be here it's uh, uh, fun to chat we see each other around places but now to have this conversation is going to be fun <laughs> yes exciting, man. Uh, all right now we'll start in a random spot here uh i understand you had a birthday recently is this uh <laughs> yes uh, uh, and it was a significant one isn't it uh well i mean i don't know how much in terms of significance um but i mean it was interesting birthday because we are still under the stay-at-home lockdown order that was happening. So there's a big birthday parade, though, that my wife did where all these cars drove by and we had fun with it. So it was a good time. Do you, nor- do you have a, a normal birthday tradition that you like to uh, do? Or? So I secretly wish my wife would plan a surprise party for me every year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just, I just, every year I want a surprise party every year. I'm expecting some sort of element of surprise. Uh, <laughs> and so this year my wife had planned a surprise um, birthday parade where cars would come by. And um, I didn't know that, but a couple of days before my birthday, my wife says, what would you like my, for your birthday? And I said, I love a birthday parade with all the cars going by. And she just looked at me and gave me the <laughs> smile. Like, did you look at my phone? I'm like, no. She goes, well, I was planning this for you. And so whenever she tries to surprise, I typically end up finding out. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it was fun. It was good. And uh, it was good to see everybody for a little bit. So surprises is your, is your love language? <laughs> I, I, hey, man, I love it. I love not knowing and, and hoping, hoping that there's an element of surprise somewhere. Very cool. Now, speaking of your wife, I, I did a little research and – I understand you had an interesting way that the two of you met. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we met we met at North Central University uh, Bible School, uh, well, a university in downtown Minneapolis. And uh, for me, it was love at first sight, and uh, for her, not so much. <laughs> uh, she thought she thought I 
uh, with some Joe Schmo guy whose parents were forcing me to go to school there because I wore sweatpants and sweatshirts almost every day. I just went to school comfortable. And she thought I, you know, didn't really groom or take care of myself. But uh, I actually, how I broke the ice of meeting her was I accused her of cheating on my test because we got our test back and we had the same exact score. And I thought, what a perfect opportunity to break the test and accuse her of cheating on my test. And so, um, of course, she didn't cheat on me, but it worked. And uh, she was blushing. She was very embarrassed. And um, obviously, she didn't cheat, but. It was a great first way of meeting and breaking the ice and having some fun with it. And she obviously didn't hold that against you that you <laughs> challenged her on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm really happy she didn't. I got the better end of the deal by by getting to marry her. So, hey, and she does ministry as well, doesn't she? Yeah, so she uh, leads worship. She's a staff, uh, um, kind of a a contracted out worship leader for Zoe Church in Burnsville, Minnesota, and then she'll travel a lot on the road with me and do ministry alongside me in music ministry, worship ministry. Um, she does a variety of different things like that. And then our greatest ministries are two kids. So she loves being a mom and uh, yeah, it's a little bit about her. Right. And how old are you, your kids now? Yep. So they both have birthdays coming up here in August, but Everly is three and Malachi is uh, one and like nine months, whatever it is. So wow. almost, almost two and almost four. So it's a high energy household. Oh yeah, man. They're all <laughs> over the place, bro. It's, it's insane. It's, it's a lot of going on. So okay. uh, with a, with the one and three, you got to ask this question. This is almost default. Do you guys sleep at all? Or is, uh, are they good sleepers? Uh, so, yeah. So they both actually still nap. They take naps in the afternoon and both of our kids, they sleep through the night, almost never wake up. It's just uh, our daughter loves to wake up at like 6 a.m. on the dot and come right into our room and make sure that she knows that she's awake. And so uh, she's our early riser. And then our son, Malachi, he loves to sleep in. He loves he loves to just take his time waking up, which we love. So, Although I, I can see that being a problem if you like staying up late later, because then they'll both be on opposite ends. Is that right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. Since we're just getting started here, what uh, if I'll have done the intro, but if you were, are explaining to someone what your ministry is, how, how do you kind of, what's your, you know, elevator yep. pitch yep. or kind of, not, not necessarily yep. elevator pitch, but how do you talk to strangers about what you do? Yeah. So Mac Ministries is a full-time evangelist uh, office ministry, and we're all about the go, which means everything that has entailed to the gospel of going forth, we're all about that. And so whether that's equipping local churches and coming alongside the vision and heartbeat of the lead pastor to minister in their church, to doing outreaches, to doing crusades, to doing camps, conventions, uh, you name an event and we probably have done it. No joke. Um, and so we have a huge heartbeat also for missions um, and supporting missions, giving to missions, encouraging the local church to dream, inspire and give to missions as well. And so that and that falls under the category of being all about the go. You know, he's a he's a God, not just of America. He's a God of the nations and we have a heart for the nations. And so um, we are a nonprofit, a 501c3, and we've been up and running now for almost coming up on three years. And wow. boy, has ministry changed, <laughs> has ministry changed in terms of uh, uh, reach and how we do it now. 
especially under the stay at home orders that we were at and a lot of the events that were getting canceled. So, but we love what we do. It, it was birthed out of scripture uh, in Psalm 71, where the writer writes, um, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power and your faithfulness to the next generation and to all who are to come. We feel it's our utmost passion and desire to preach the gospel and let every generation know the faithfulness and the power of God. That's our heartbeat. That's awesome. Uh, it, and speaking of kind of out of that scripture, uh, three years, uh, what's the, what's kind of the story of Genesis of how, how origin story we like, origin. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So we were, we were uh, on staff at Cedar Valley church in Bloomington. Steph was a worship pastor. I was a youth pastor there. Steph transitioned out first. She just felt like uh, grace had lifted and her time was done. So she willingly transitioned out uh, on her own accord and um, received a blessing to do so. And then uh, for about nine months after she transitioned out, I started feeling a release and I've never experienced a transition before in ministry, never been through that before, but I started to feel like my time was coming to an end. I don't know how else to explain it. I wasn't seeing vision anymore for the ministry I was leading. I felt like there was a lot of nostalgic, nostalgia hitting me. Um, it was just so weird. I processed with uh, my, my lead boss at the time, Vicki Graham, just through different emotions, different things. I got a few mentors in my life to kind of keep it under wraps and just pray through and talk to about things. And um, um, of May of 2017, or sorry, of May of 20, uh, oh man, what's the year? Today's 20, yeah, May of 2017, I told Pastor Neil, I said, hey, I don't think I'm going to be your youth pastor come in the fall. And he said, all right, let's pray every day till we find out what's next. And we thought there was going to be an amazing position that we'd be taking that lined up with our heartbeat. That door ended up shutting. And we transitioned from a full-time job with benefits, a great salary, down to $0. And we just prayed and fast and said, God, uh, would you lead us where we're supposed to go? Uh, would you help us become who you want us to become? And that's how God birthed the story of traveling on the road full-time and preaching the gospel. So that's awesome because uh, sometimes you go down to zero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's like all right, right, right. You don't you don't plan that on your five year plan or ten year plan. At some point, I'm going down to zero, right? <laughs> right. Do not do not plan that at all. Uh uh. uh yep. But obviously, uh, God's been faithful with that. You I know traveling or. Well, as you can, you uh, or uh, you know, depending on when this comes out, whether you will be, but hey, uh, hey, uh, right. God's been using you in amazing ways around, and uh, he's he's faithful, right? You know, that's that's a great point. We honestly, um, our ministry strategy is very weird. It's very interesting to maybe uh, someone who is a business strategist or 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 finds ways to market things. Um, our whole strategy to our ministry from day one has been to pray and fast. And something that we stole from Billy Graham, we watched a documentary and he said, as a young minister, he said, I would pray and say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go and I'll be whoever you want me to be. And when I heard Billy Graham say that, I decided to steal that, start praying that and let God be the one that opened the door for our ministry and ministry opportunities. And so what I pray often is God, you bring us to the places we're supposed to go. We'll go wherever you want us to go. We'll be whoever you want us to be. And so God has been faithful 
to open doors, bring us places we never thought possible, put us in rooms. We are looking at each other being, why are we in this room right now? Why are we among all these leaders right now? And it literally describes the faithfulness of God. It allows us to see his hand in it versus our hand in it and what we're trying to do and accomplish. And that is what we want. When I get to the end of my ministry, whenever that is, end of my life, I want to be able to look back and talk about the faithfulness of God and what God did, not what I did. It was that you, you said goal is kind of in the is the word uh, with you. Is that always been a word or what? what kind of started that direction? Yeah, I think, uh, well, one, we find it's roots in scripture with the Great Commission, go, you know, first word, go, it starts right there, go, like, you don't have to wait, you don't have to ask, just go, I've told you to go. So that was a big uh, heartbeat of that rooted in scripture there in Matthew 28. But also, uh, that phrase, it really stuck with me when I heard Rob Ketterling, Rob, Pastor Rob Ketterling preach a message at our district council in Minnesota, uh, I believe it was titled All About the Goal and, and making your life being all about the goal. And how he ended the sermon was um, he gave an opportunity for those to come forward who felt called to go on the missions field. And then he had a different group of people, of people to come forward who felt called to support missionaries and to be senders of missionaries. I responded to the senders of missionaries. I went down front. I wanted to receive all God had for me to be a proponent of launching missionaries, supporting, being a voice for him, whatever it would look like. And so um, that phrase, being all about the goal, stuck in my mind and was the phrase that we decided to use for our ministry. Very cool. Uh, backing up a little bit, uh, you mentioned you were at Cedar Valley uh, Church uh, for a long time, uh, and from my research, that was that's been your church home for a while. Do you remember, which I'm guessing you do, but uh, do you remember your first time ever going to Cedar Valley? Yes, I do. Um, this was kind of crazy. So, my mom brought us to Cedar Valley because our church had experienced a church split, and and. I remember I didn't want to go to the church. Um, I, I missed our old church. I was upset about the church split. And my mom said, no, you're going to church. She brought us to Cedar Valley. I told her, I'm going to stay in the van. You can go to church. I'm not coming in. I was about 13 years old at the time. My mom looked at me and said, if you don't go to church with me and get out of the van, I'm going to go find a random man in the church and he's going to come out and bring you into church. I said, mom, I'm staying right here. <laughs> I am not going to church. I thought my mom was trying to joke with me, trying to do whatever she could to get me out of the van. Sure enough, a random man comes walking out of the church, never seen him before. She starts walking to the van. I hide under the van seats. And I see the van door open and I see this man's head duck under the seats and look right at me. He goes, son, you need to get out of the van, listen to your mom and get into church. And I uh, didn't know it would take a grown man to get me out of the van to go into church. But I'll just say, had my mom not done that, 
I never would have found an amazing place uh, to grow spiritually, to grow with friends. And God used that place and those people in tremendous ways in my life. I wonder, do you, know, do you remember who the guy was? I mean, did he? It yeah, was I think, I think, no, I think it was Daryl Velasco. Uh, he was the kids pastor there at one point. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was him, as I recall. And uh, yeah. So I, I just, one. I was just trying to picture me, you know, some Per, now, granted, no one's going to come up to the short, you know, Asian-looking guy and ask him to go help him <laughs> out. But if they, if they were coming up and say, uh, I, "This is my first time here at church. Can you come get me get, get my kid out of the car?" I don't know right. how to go. <laughs> no, right? Exactly. I don't know. My mom is very bold, though. My mom has no shame in asking any stranger anything. Like that's just how she is. So, <laughs> has that rubbed off on you at all? Or? Uh, you know, a little bit. I, I would say I'm probably a little more conservative than my mom. Like, my mom's the kind of lady that if you're at the Minnesota State Fair, one of the largest gatherings, uh, she'll be the lady in all the crowd that's, that's getting up and dancing at the live music and everybody else is sitting. Like, she's that lady that will get up and dance in front of everyone and everyone's that's just who she is, you know? And, so I, I have I have uh, qualities like I have some attributes like that, but maybe not to the extent of her. So <laughs> people can inspire you to do crazy things, just not. Yes. there's a line somewhere. <laughs> there is a line, and not there. There never used to be a line, though, dude. If you would have known me when I was younger, oh my word! I mean, there was no line. I was crazy. I was crazy in school. I was crazy. You know, part of that though is I really wanted attention. I wasn't getting a lot of attention at home. So part of that was a way for me to learn and try to get attention from people was to be crazy. And uh, once I got married and started having kids, that line just, there's a line now. So I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm careful of that now. So. Hey, well, well I, I'm the, I was the kid who always egged people on to do things. So you and me would be in a bad combination because I'd yes. be like, yeah, go do that. And, oh, no, okay. <laughs> Right. I totally would have done what you said. 100%. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so thinking about your uh, childhood, no, no, this is not a therapy session, but uh, going back, uh, do you see any points along the journey that um, made you who you are as far as what you're calling in your ministry? Are there anything that comes to mind that, you know, God used from your childhood that has helped you with who you are today? Most definitely. In fact, I would think every leader would answer yes to that question because our family of origin really impacts so much of our life. It impacts our worldview. It impacts so many things. And there are many, many things that have happened in my lifetime that have been um, huge in my shaping, molding, uh, passion points that I get really excited about. You know, one of those is uh, every time I go to a children's hospital and I go to the cancer wing or the cancer floor where their kids have cancer, I'm not joking. Every time, every time I walk in there, I start to cry. And the reason why is because my sister had cancer. Like our family lived on that floor for two years. So when I see other families living the life we had, I break down. I get emotional. I can't. Uh, I can't go in there without crying. I just, it hits me every time. So, you know, that's a passion point. I think of um, fatherless kids, kids that don't have dads in their life. That's a passion point of mine. You know, I, I don't have a dad anymore physically. He, he passed away, but um, I also know what it was like to be a product of divorce, you know, growing up in a home in a broken home, 
So I have a huge heart for kids who are fatherless, who don't have a dad in their life. You know, it makes me want to father my own children in a upright way, a way that leads them, you know? Um, and so, however, because I didn't have a father in my life, oftentimes a lot of behaviors uh, like attention seeking or approval, looking for those things, those things tend to creep in my life because I'm wanting that older man's approval to say, I'm proud of you. You know, every, every son, every daughter needs to hear a father say, I'm proud of you. And I think the reason why I say I'm proud of my kids so much, like probably way too much. I pro I'm not exaggerating. You could ask my wife. I probably say, I'm proud of you, Everly. I love you, Malachi. No joke, 10 times a day. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, words are key to me. Words are big to me. Uh, when someone speaks them to me or I speak them to somebody else. And so, I mean, I look at, you know, based on your question, yes, I look at so much of what has happened in my life uh, come out in my life in different ways. And I try to um, utilize the pain and utilize the hurt in a way to spin it for something amazing. I, I just believe how can you not read scripture and not see God as a redeemer and not see God as someone who's full of redemption. Um, therefore, if God is a redeemer and redemption is his narrative, that means everything bad in our life literally has an opportunity to be redeemed, everything. And so that's a worldview I live from. You know, my wife uh, has often asked me, Michael, why aren't you sad about this? Michael, why aren't you upset about this? Why aren't you angry? Well, the things I've endured as a young person are probably more than the average 50-year-old with what I've seen. So I almost have like this, like James talks about building character and building perseverance in your life. I almost feel like God has utilized trauma and really bad scenarios as a way to build character and perseverance. Um, to where I just like, okay, somehow God's going to get glory from this. And so, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of things I could keep going on longer and longer about what else there is, but definitely so, and, yes to that question. So, so going off of that, uh, this it makes me curious because uh, so many people do have trauma and pa uh, past situations and they don't have the response that you have. Uh, they don't try to use it for good. They don't try, uh, you know, they let that destroy them or let them get stay. Uh, is there, what is it? And again, I, you may not have a thought about this, but oh, what is, what could someone do to not get stuck in that and allow God to redeem those situations yeah. to allow that to be something that's turns around in their life? How, or how have you done that for yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I, would say at the time, um, I didn't have the perspective I do now. I think uh, it's normal. The more you mature in life, the more years you've lived, you really gain a wisdom, a perspective, and an understanding on how one, God works, two, how you work as an individual. At the time, though, um, I didn't have the perspective. It was the middle of trauma. So to answer your question, I, I, I kind of noticed a couple things pop in my mind as you asked that. One, as every person needs the safety net of the local church in their life, hands down. If my mom, the greatest decision a single mom ever did was bring her kids to church, hands down, because if I did not have that safety net, it means I wouldn't have had great people, lovers of Jesus around me 
during the times of trauma and during the times of difficulty. Um, oh, I can't, there's so many times my best friend and his dad would come over to my house and pick me up. Uh, I remember when my family was broken, I would hang out with another family that was healthy. You know, I saw what a healthy family looked like. And when you're in the middle of dangerous things and you don't have the long-term perspective, but you're in it right now, I would just say, do whatever you can to get around people who love Jesus. Do whatever you can to be around the local church, to reach out, um, to do life with people, find a small group, find a life group, throw yourself in, be transparent, be honest, and uh, it's okay to be broken. Uh, you need to know that. It's okay to be broken. Um, look at all of the Bible figures in the Bible. Every one of them were broken at one point. Even Jesus was broken to the point of sweating blood, like dripping blood from him. Uh, he bore that brokenness, you know, and so I would say one, know you're a normal human being and it's okay to not be okay. And then two, find a local church that you can be a part of, that you can um, grow with, lean on. Uh, because today, those are my thoughts. I don't understand how single moms make it today without the local church. I'm just being honest. I don't know how kids today, uh, parents today, I don't know how they do it apart from the local church. It takes a village to grow in Christ, and it takes a village uh, for, for our kids to grow in Christ as well, like-minded people to help point them in the right direction. Relationships are so so key uh, in in our in our growth and our walk with Jesus. So it's not we're not meant to do this alone. Uh, yeah, I was just I was just thinking as you're saying that, but uh, I'm studying the Gospel of Mark right now, and uh, the end. You know, there's that discussion about Jesus go statement, all that manuscripts and all that, which is a different discussion. But the uh, the last thing he says on the cross in Mark is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, it, you know, other gospels have the other sayings, but it's like Mark made the decision that it's ending in his brokenness. That's the, that's it right there. It is like, mm -hmm. and if Jesus experienced that, we can walk into that as well. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, you, what you say is so true about start with being okay is not okay and then build the relationships uh, on that hey uh, moving forward a little bit out of that uh, in the last five years uh, if you look back is there any habits spiritual habits that come to mind that have helped you the most in the last five years that you've added to your life or uh, ones that you just rely on on a, on a daily yes. basis yeah great question uh so we talked a little bit about it this concept of prayer and fasting um had uh i not been called to a prayer room in my life i never would have heard the voice of god to transition out and be faithful and watch out god will often lead you into deep places of prayer uh, before he moves you he doesn't just pop up in your life and say quit your job uh, there's a preparation to that. He prepares your heart. He does things in your life and in your heart. And prayer, uh, you know, I'm convinced um, prayer is the greatest spiritual discipline any believer can have. I'm going to steal this from Leonard Ravenhill. He wrote a book called Revival Praying. And he said, as a minister, he spent about two thirds of his time studying the word of God and a third of his time praying to preach and to those kinds of things. He said, if I could do it all over again, 
I would pray two thirds of the time and study the word of God the other third of the time. Uh, I think there's a reason why the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. I'm convinced it's because they saw what Paul said to do, pray without ceasing. Keep praying at all times. And Jesus, so many times, was found praying alone. I just believe the greatest discipline any person can learn in their life, it's learning how to pray. And the more you pray, the more you will pray. It's like riding a bike. The more you ride a bike, the better you get with it. The more comfortable you feel, the more confident that comes up within you. And uh, prayer has took on different, uh, different. it's just looked different throughout the years. But um, I felt God calling me to start a prayer room in my house uh, back before we transitioned out. And every day, just about, I'd go in there and I'd pray and spend time with Jesus. The first time I ever did it, it was maybe 10 minutes. I was like, okay cool. Awesome. Um, by the end of it, that year, it would be normal to spend an hour in prayer, hour and a half, two hours in prayer, easy, and not even look at the clock. And there was a hunger and a desire to just want to be with Jesus and spend time with him in prayer. And so um, a spiritual discipline of prayer uh, has been huge for our ministry, like I talked about, along with fasting. Um, you know, you partner those two together. You don't do those separately, at least the fasting part. You always partner that with prayer. That's the point of fasting. Um, and so those two disciplines have been key to our ministry, key to what we do. Um, fasting, uh, every month I'm fasting, uh, every month. Uh, not the whole month, but a couple days a week. I'm typically praying and fasting. Um, that's just what I do. doesn't mean you have to do it. Um, to start the year, I'll usually do like a seven day fast or a 21 day fast. Um, I do 40 day fasts before ministry seasons, uh, my calendar and how it's divided. I have a spring calendar. I have a summer calendar and a fall calendar for my ministry and what it looks like. I have a downtime in May before I launch into summer camps. I have a downtime in August before I launch into youth conventions in the fall. And I'll typically do two 40-day fasts throughout the year. I'll do one um, just before summer camp, and I'll do one uh, just before youth conventions. And the prayer and fasting, it's to um, allow God to chip away things that need to be pruned in my life uh, to break me down and build me back up. It's to believe and pray for breakthroughs, for miracles. Paul asks us to, encourages us to ask for the gifts of the Spirit. So a couple gifts I ask for regularly are the gifts of healing, the gifts of prophecy, um, the gift of miracles. I ask for those three things regularly, um, earnestly desiring those to, to operate in those. And then um, I'll pray for other evangelists who are like me. I pray that God would bless their ministries. I pray God would open up doors of opportunities. I'll pray for my family during that stretch. Um, and so I kind of have three ways of how I like to break down prayer time. One is to pray for breakthrough. Anybody that needs breakthroughs, areas that we're going to ministry to bring breakthrough. The second one is for spiritual insight on how we defeat the enemy. And the third one is for God's favor on my life, on my family, and on our ministry, and the ministry of other evangelists who are like me. So those two, I would say, are the biggest catalysts for us and for our ministry. Um, and then lately for me, 
uh, I so eagerly desire the word and time in the word. He, I, the best way I can describe it is every time I open the word, it's like a waterfall of God's grace renewing me, washing over me. It's, it's so rich. It's so beautiful. The longer I've known Christ, the more I just can't wait to read what he's going to speak to me. It is just life-giving. It's so, uh, it fuels my faith. And so, uh, you know, common answers, I would say, but um, to, it's taken on different uh, meanings. Right now, what I'm doing in my scripture reading is anytime I come across the word faithfulness and unfailing love, I'm making note of it. Uh, I, I think uh, uh, someday I'm going to write a book called Unfailing Love and Faithfulness and literally highlight two characteristics of God that is constantly woven throughout scripture and lead people on a journey. Uh, one Psalms talks about how um, the psalmist writer writes how he wakes up proclaiming the unfailing love of God. This is really cool. And at night he ponders God's faithfulness. What an amazing picture. You wake up in the morning and your first thing's out of your mouth is proclaiming the unfailing love of Jesus. And then when you lay on your pillow and you're thinking about your day, you ponder on the faithfulness of God. You start your day in love. You end your day in his faithfulness. It wow. is powerful. It's powerful to see. And so um, those are some things that have been on my heart, on my mind, and just things we've seen God do. That's, that's, that's good. Uh, what was that reference again? The Psalm... Um, it's, I want to say it's Psalms. It's in my phone somewhere. I can shoot you a text when I'm done here. So, yeah. And, and the and the Ravenhill book name revival. Yeah, revival revival praying by revival praying. Ravenhill. Yeah. Yep, great uh, book. I always like to put those in the show notes for people to find them. Uh, sh shifting gears now a little bit. Uh, one of your passions is uh, has a thing called speed to light, uh, and. Uh, Part of the reason I I, I I listen to my, well, let's back the train up here. My, my daughter, who's 13, heard you at youth convention. Uh, she's mm -hmm. talking about, and so I, she's like, he's all about speed of light. And so I, now I've known you, but I, I went back and listened to the audio of you speaking at youth convention about speed of light. And I'm like, wow, let's get this. I had a, had a God moment in my car listening to the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, mm -hmm. hey. Let, let's have Micah can come on and just talk about speed the light for a little bit. Uh, yeah. So someone who's not familiar with speed the light, uh, what would uh, what what is speed the light? Yeah, great question. Uh, speed the light was a God idea given to a man by the name of Ralph Harris. This is really crazy, actually. This is a pretty amazing story. Ralph Harris was um, within the National Assemblies of God leadership team working over youth and overseeing youth. This is what's really crazy. In 1944, God dropped an idea in Ralph Harris's heart to start something called Speed the Light. Now, if you know your history, you know your history books, 1944 is in the middle of World War II. Why in the world would God drop an idea to give financial resources and money to missionaries in the middle of World War II? I don't know. God did it. That's when he decided to burst something called Speed the Light. But Ralph Harris went to the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, the big dog, went to him and said, hey, God gave me an idea to raise funds for missionaries to call something called Speed the Light, where we equip our missionaries with sound systems, vehicles, 
whatever we can do to help spread the gospel farther, to help spread the light, to help speed up the light, to go into all nations. God gave me this idea. Well, what is it, Ralph? My idea is that the teenagers of America are going to give money so that missionaries can have the resources they need to preach the gospel further and faster. And the general superintendent said, what's your goal? How much do you want to give this year? He said, we're going to give over $100,000. And the superintendent thought he was crazy. We're in the middle of a war. Our resources in America are going to aircraft carriers. They're going to planes to go destroy the enemy. People are already tight on money here in America. Good luck trying to raise $100,000 the first year. The very first year of something called Speed the Light, the youth of America raised over $100,000. And ever since that moment, the youth of America and teenagers of America have raised over $300 million to give to missionaries all around the world. And just last year alone in Minnesota, we gave over $1.8 million just in Minnesota students alone, leading the nation. And so Speed the Light, uh, it's a broad umbrella of equipping our missionaries with sound systems, vehicles, projectors, whatever they need as a resource to preach the gospel. But it also works alongside um, other venture projects like sex trafficking and rescuing girls out of sex trafficking or those who are in Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, and they don't have clean drinking water. One out of five kids are dying every day due to water-related diseases. And the kids of America are giving to Speed the Light, which helps build water wells right outside of churches in Africa where people can get clean water, but they're getting clean drinking water from a church. How awesome of a resource for a local pastor who's trying to build his church to invite people to his church to get clean water to receive a physical need, to open the door for a spiritual need for the gospel to go forth. That, in a nutshell, is what Speed the Light is. And that's amazing to see what young people are doing across America. And, and so how did you, and I didn't know the answer to this, how, how did you get connected with that story? How's that part of your... Yeah, yeah. Well, I got connected with that story because I was a youth pastor. And all of the youth pastors in the Assemblies of God are encouraged to train their students, equip their students in their ministry to give to missions, to give to Speed the Light. And so I was exposed to it as a student back at Cedar Valley. I was exposed to it as a leader. And then when I became the youth pastor, I was leading it in my youth ministry. And I got pushed over the edge and became very all impassioned about it. The moment I heard Brent Silkey say, Micah, uh, God spoke to me. I'm giving $10,000 this year to missions. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you, you don't have $10,000 to give. What are you doing? He goes, Micah, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to give 10000 this year. I went home thinking he was crazy, and I'm a super competitive guy. We were both youth pastoring at the time. And I was like, you know what? If Brent Silkey can give 10000 I can give $10,000. So I went back in the office the next day and said, Brent, I'm giving 10,000 too. We were, we were a bunch of young, reckless youth pastors, no idea what would make of it. And sure enough, that year, we both ended up giving over $10,000 to missions. And ever since then, we haven't looked back and decided to keep going and keep giving. I'm not a youth pastor anymore. I don't need to speak about missions anymore. I'm an evangelist. I can do other things. I will not stop giving to speed the light and we will not stop giving to missions. We have watched God do incredible things personally, but also globally 
as we partner with the Holy Spirit in giving. It's been amazing. Uh, that's awesome. And for our longtime listeners of the show, when he said Brent Silky, that name may sound familiar. Brent's been on the show uh, before and uh, wild man Brent. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. Uh, his, his, his passion as well uh, is connected there. Uh, and you've known him a long time, haven't you? Yeah. So I uh, actually helped end up leading Brent to Christ. Um, okay. <laughs> way back in the day. So we went to junior high together. We were in middle school together and have been friends ever since middle school. Very cool. All right. So uh, as you've been traveling around, uh, sharing the story of Speed the Light, uh, is there any favorite stories of God using this generation to raise money for Speed the Light? I, I know that's probably, uh, you have to narrow it down, but uh, <laughs> can, can, can you give me a, one or two stories that come to mind uh, of God using some young people. Yeah, you know what? Um, it's so biblical. It's amazing. God doesn't use extraordinary people. God loves to use ordinary people. And how much more ordinary can you get from a middle school boy or a middle school girl who maybe haven't taken a shower in a couple of days? They're still trying to figure out who they are. But it is amazing to see how God used a boy's lunch in Luke chapter 9 to feed 15,000 people. And today he is still using boys and girls all over America to give what they have and watch them multiply it. I'm telling you, I have watched kids, literally ordinary students, a 13 year old go door to door, knock on doors and ask people for spare change. Well, why, why, why do you want my spare change? Well, ma'am, uh, we're actually giving to something called speed the light. It's people right now, what we're giving to in Africa who don't have clean water. All of your spare change is going to help provide clean water for these kids in Africa. Yeah, sure. No problem. One story comes to mind where these two boys in our youth group went up to a door and a man was in his garage working. The man notices the boys, comes and greets them, says, what's going on, young men? And they said, hey, we're just out here going door to door asking people for spare change. Here's a flyer, uh, a brochure of where your money's going to. Would you want to donate? Yeah, I'll be right back. He comes out with a Crown Royal bag. If you don't know what Crown Royal is, it's a hard liquor. He comes out with this purple crown royal bag full of change. And he looked at these young men. He said, just so you boys know, he said, all spring and summer long, I collect all my spare change. And I usually have about a hundred some bucks to go spend on liquor to help me buy for the winter months so I can drink during the winter months. He said, I'm going to give up all my beer money, my liquor money, so that these people can have clean water. But here's the deal. I'm giving you this because I don't see young people like you out here doing this kind of stuff. It was amazing. I still have the purple crown royal bag today because <laughs> it's, a, it's a reminder to me that God can use alcohol money to further his mission to go reach people in Africa. God can use anything and everything for his glory and his purposes. Uh, another one comes to mind of a little girl, a 13-year-old girl named Lydia who was at youth convention and felt like God told her to give $1,000 to mission. She's 11 years old at the time when she heard the vision. And um, she said, okay, God, I'll, I'll give what I have. I'll see what I have. Well, her family, they train horses. And uh, they raise them up and sell them. And she had, I think, $400 to her name that she'd saved up. So she decided to buy a pony with the money that she had and train it and then sell it. Well, she had trained it for a couple months, got it all ready, was ready to sell. And when it came time to sell, no one was calling, no one messaged her, no bites, no nothing. She goes to her youth group pretty discouraged. No one's calling. 
and her youth pastor and her youth leader and her friends, they start praying over her that this pony would sell. Two days, no joke, two days after they pray as a small group, she gets a phone call from someone says, hey, I saw your, your pony here. It's for sale, right? And she goes, yeah. He goes, hey, I'd love to um, put in an offer uh, for your pony. Not sure what people are saying, but I'd love to give you $2,500 for your pony. She prayed and heard God <laughs> say to give 1000 She ended up giving over $2,000 as she took out 400 to buy another pony and do it again the following year. These young people across America, they're watching God speak to them. Then they obey him. And then they're watching God multiply their efforts. And it's been amazing to see kids' faith rise up and say, I can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to listen to God again. I can't wait to believe again. And it's so powerful. It's why I believe it's one of the greatest discipleship tools we have in discipling the kids of America. Because if young people can know what it means to give sacrificially and obey the voice of God, what a powerful way to start out your faith journey in years to come. Sometimes it takes months for adults even to give $1 in tithe. These kids are giving generously above and beyond tithe for missions. What an amazing asset and fruit to learn generosity and learn missions at such a young age. That's, a, that's awesome. And, and what I'm going to say next, uh, I'm going to try not to get too emotional here because I, I, I have a 13-year-old daughter who's gotten excited about speed the light and uh, she's been selling plants she can raise some plants and selling plants and she's she's mowing my lawn which is a blessing to me but because <laughs> 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 uh, i've always wanted to give that up but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, she, but to go to youth convention and to hear god speak to her uh, saying this mm -hmm. is what i want you to to give and really press uh, past what she's comfortable almost sometimes past what her parents are comfortable knowing wh where she's at. Uh, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. That's what, uh, that's why, I mean, that's part, yes, we want to give and that there's that part, but what God does in a 13 year old girl's life. Uh, and by the way, if you, since my daughter has a big thing, if you're listening to this and you want to, uh, to donate to Speed the Light, just uh, send it to Christ Connection. Well, all of it will go, we'll go right through and we'll let a 13 year old give a bigger check, I guess, uh, at, the, at the end, because uh, uh, that, that's what it's really, uh, that, that's awesome stuff that we're, we get to be yeah. a part of. Uh, right. Uh, as we're, as we're wrapping up here, because we're going to be conscious of our time, because uh, people will stop listening at some point, I'm guessing. But uh, <laughs> uh, if people want, uh, want to learn more about you and what you're doing, well, before uh, we'll give you that in a second. Tell, send them to where they can find out social and all that. Uh, but any final ask that you would have? Uh, as you're talking to a Christian who's uh, who's listening to this, maybe it's something that's just on your heart right now, or mm -hmm. uh, some, so, something that you'd say to go after God with. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, one, just want to say thanks so much for having me. Let me share a little bit. I appreciate it. And I love hearing about your daughter. That gets me emotional. gets me fired up. Um, I really believe um, we have an opportunity as followers of Christ to either miss what he's doing on the earth or to jump all in and be all in with what he's doing on the earth. I don't know about you, but for me, I do not, 
I do not want to miss out what God is doing in the earth today. I want to be a part of his awakening. I want to be a part of his movements. I want to be a part where the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, his glory revealed on the earth. And Ephesians 2 talks about how there's good works for you to walk in. There are works that God has prepared for you to walk in that I can't. But there are works that God has prepared for me to walk in, to further his kingdom, to share about his glory, to reveal how awesome he is. And that gets me fired up and I don't want to miss it. I believe in the coming months, uh, we have an opportunity to see an awakening in our world and awakening in America. But it cannot happen apart from prayer. It cannot happen at spending time at calling out to him, believing with him, uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, let your heart uh, be laid down as a living sacrifice, like Romans 12 talks about, holy and acceptable, pleasing to him. That, that is true spiritual worship. To go all in and not miss what he's doing means to learn what it means to daily offer your life as a living sacrifice to God and say, God, I can't run my life, but you can. Would you help me? Would you speak to me? Would you spur me on? Would you move within me? People need hope. Now is the time to share it. Now is the time to do something. Don't wait back. Don't hold back. Go for it. You're with God. He walks with you. You are in him. That's all you need. Boom. Wow. That's good. <laughs> you, you, you almost said that, that that's the way to wrap up a podcast there, right there. That's good. Yes. All right. So where would you, if people want to learn more about you and your ministry, yeah. where, where do you want to send them? Yeah. www.mac-ministries.com. Mac-ministries.com is my website. Uh, has everything on there, my social media handles, all of that. You can go there and I will direct you to all the other handles I got. Very cool. And we'll put those in the show notes as well. Hey, Micah, this has been fun. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time today. Oh, thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate you and what you're doing. Well, there you have it. I, I hope you enjoyed that conversation and were inspired and challenged to grab a hold of Jesus and grab a hold of uh, a prayer life that will take you to the next level uh, with him and pursue him with all that uh, you have and see what he'll do in and through you. Uh, we were talking about speed of the light and I was serious. If you feel led, and that's kind of, uh, this is uh, recorded two months ago and I was kind of sitting on it because I was waiting for a good time uh, to challenge people say, you know, if you want to give to Speed the Light, just uh, send a donation to Christ Connection, mention somewhere there's Speed the Light, and we'll give it through us, uh, and uh, it'll make a difference around the world. Uh, again, the, our ministry website is ChristConnection.cc, and you can uh, go over there, click Donate, or, or while you're over there, uh, click on Podcast, and you see the show notes, and check out the uh, resources that were mentioned uh, during this episode. Uh, before you leave, don't forget to subscribe to this uh, podcast. I'm excited for where God is taking us. There's going to be little tweaks around the corner, but I'm excited for what God is going to do in and through us as we go after him and as we pursue him. Uh, so I, I bless you as you go on your way. And until next time, thanks for listening.